Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. I am so thankful for what God is doing in your life. Today, I I, want to tell you why. I want to tell you why. I want to tell you a little bit about Jesus. I want to talk to us about where we are at this moment. And as I do, I want to talk about hope. Does it feel like we might need a little bit of hope today? I mean, if you think about it, the world is a little bit crazy right now. Is that an understatement? Something, it's something else. But we're not the only ones that have been in moments where we needed hope. And so I wanna encourage you today, just before I start, I'm gonna give you three places that you can find hope. That's what I wanna talk to you about. But as we do, I want you to know that we're in good company, people that throughout history have needed hope. In fact, as I stepped up today, and just like I do on every Easter, I'll say, he is risen, it's the Pascal's greeting. He is risen, the church says back, is risen indeed, and it's just this incredible statement of hope. In fact, 2,000 years ago, when the early church was just being birthed, it was being birthed under Roman rule. Uh, the, the Jews were occupied by the Roman Empire. They couldn't control their own destiny. Um, there were always these messianic figures that were being killed, rebellions that were being put down. This is one of the things... One of the things that Jesus had to cut through wasn't that he was only speaking to the religious system. It wasn't that he was just coming to fulfill uh, the law, but it was also that as Jesus stepped in on and onto the scene, he was stepping in to an empire that suspected people like him that were trying to organize an overthrow of the government. In fact, we do a lot of work in Cambodia, a lot of missionary work. And um, you can see totalitarian regimes are just like this. In fact, Joyce Meyer went and she did a big crusade, which we don't do crusades in Cambodia. We just don't because it doesn't look right to the government. It looks like you're getting a mob together to have some kind of revolution. So actually, when Joyce Meyer went and had her crusade, then government came in with AK-47, shut the whole thing down. But this is what they were doing with Jesus. This was the environment that Jesus was in. Listen, every now and then somebody will say to me, Pastor, do you have to talk about all the cultural issues today? You have to get involved in the controversy. Do you have to talk about politics? Look, I really don't talk about politics. I do talk about the culture. You know, I talk about the Bible. Listen, I believe that all life is sacred. I believe that all life everywhere is sacred. We ought to take care of it. Uh, In the most marginalized places, most oppressed places, there is no place more marginalized, more dangerous than in the womb today. And you know what? I'm going to talk about it. Does that bother people? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's not political. That's biblical. It's biblical. We are created in the image of God. And so if God has created it, then who am I to stand against God? Now, that's not a statement against anybody in here because... There are people in here that have had abortions and participated in abortions, that, that sort of thing. And let me just tell you, you're in the right place. You're with a bunch of people that need God's work in our lives. And for those of us that have placed our trust in Jesus, there's nothing in your past too big for God. And this is an awesome thing. The statement that Jesus made there is therefore now, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
And so we're free, we're free. So I just want to say that. But in this environment that the early church was in, they were under Roman occupation. And, you know, they said things that were controversial, were definitely political. In fact, maybe one of the most political things that have ever been uttered were uttered by the early church when under Roman rule, they declared Jesus is Lord. Can you just think about that for a second? Jesus is Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Hey, thank God for Caesar. Thank God for the king. Thank God for the president. But let me tell you, at the end of the day, Jesus is the king of all presidents. He's the king of all kings and we're in the kingdom of all kingdoms. That's the kind of God that we serve. And so here's just what I wanna say today to you airport, to you Foley, you know, South Haven, to all my brothers and sisters and my friends today, if you're under a heavy weight because it seems like everything in the culture is a little bit heavy, there is hope in Jesus Christ. There's hope in Jesus. Just go ahead and turn to your neighbor right now. Say, there's hope. There's hope. There's hope. So I want to talk to you about that hope. There's three places. The first place I want you to know that there's hope is found is that there is hope in the word of God. Say that with me. There is hope in the word of God. And so I want to introduce um, the word of God to you in a way that's a new way. And I'm going to be using someone that I like to track along with. I know there's a lot of young men that are interested in following this guy. His name is Dr. Jordan Peterson. He was an atheist psychologist in Canada, and he has been on a journey in discovering Christ. And it's been fun to watch because I was following him when he was an atheist. A lot of young men are, you know, in a time where everyone's telling us that masculinity is toxic. It's just really great that there are some voices out there that are not trying to diminish men or women for that matter. And so I was tracking along with him. He went to the Museum of the Bible, and I'm going to give you about a three-minute video where you can check out a little bit about the power of God's word. Check out this video. know what to think to begin with. Being a northern Albertan cynic, I thought of the Museum of the Bible as kind of a backwoods fundamentalist enterprise in all likelihood, and that turned out to be unbelievably wrong. I didn't really understand until I walked through the museum, or I didn't understand as deeply as I might have, how key the Bible was to the spread of literacy in general around the world. I'm Brian Hyland. I'm the Associate Curator of Medieval Manuscripts here at uh, Museum of the Bible. What that means is I get to work with manuscripts that were produced in Western Europe from about the year 800 up to uh, the 1500s. When we walk into the fourth floor of the history of the, of the Bible, we see in front of us a mural, and this mural kind of encapsulates uh, the entire history of the text. On the far left, what you see is the Great Isaiah Scroll. It's one of the Dead Sea Scrolls, and it represents the original Hebrew texts. To its right, we have what we call the Bodmer Psalms. The Bodmer Psalms are actually a codex, so the idea of a modern kind of hardcover book. And then to the uh, right of that, what you see is a medieval psalter. And this is uh, the Rice Psalter. It's a 15th century Latin text. 
it represents the manuscript tradition. Immediately to its right, what we have is the uh, Gutenberg Bible. We're going from manuscript to printing and the impact of the printing press. To the right of the Gutenberg, there is a leaf from the King James Bible. Printing kind of dominates the, the world down to the 20th, late 20th and early 21st centuries. And so representing where we are today at this moment, we have a cell phone. And on the cell phone, uh, somebody has a, uh, a Bible app in Korean using the Hangul script. Some of those online biblical sites are extremely useful because you could go through the biblical writings verse by verse with 50 translations simultaneously. And it's so interesting to see the different interpretations of the translations because it fleshes out the connotations and the poetic allusions in the text and, and cross-references as well. What this means is that the, the Bible is a text that reaches out and it's still being interpreted uh, today. You look at the phone and the potential of the phone, and then you see all the languages and you realize this is the first moment in human history. The Bible has been available in almost every language and dialect. How cool is that? Is it pretty amazing? That's the Museum of the Bible. It's located there in Washington, DC. I have some big news about the Museum of the Bible and Pathway Church also. Uh, I'll share some more details next week, okay? I'll give you some action steps. But I've reserved the Museum of the Bible in January of 2024, and I want you to be my guest. Come with me. Uh, this actually Museum of the Bible was, yeah, I think that's really cool, really cool. Um, and actually, Museum of the Bible was built by the Green family. They're the ones who started and run Hobby Lobby, some great believers that do some amazing things around the world. And so we've got a really great thing that's going to be happening there. Like I said, I'll share a little bit next week. But this place, when you walk through it, there's five floors and it lays out a journey through the Bible. It really gives you a great picture of what the, what the Bible is. One thing that you will walk out and even if someone's not a believer, you say, this is a most substantial book. In fact, when you think of the Bible, the Bible is actually the first book. It's the first book. Every book that you have ever held in your hand only happened because of the Bible. We're talking about the Gutenberg Press. Prior to, prior to that, we had scrolls. Uh, we had books that were hand compiled and, and you know, there were ministers that would hand write this stuff out. You know, and I, I know people have questioned the Bible over the years. And they said, well, you know what, this, there are mistakes. And you know, if you go back, you would see the Bible doesn't agree. Um, you know, things have been changed, but it's so interesting that as people are saying that, then uh, one day some shepherds go into a cave and find what's called the Dead Sea Scrolls. They have been hiding there for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And you know what happens? They pull these out and then they look at the modern manuscripts and they're the same thing. It's an incredible, incredible thing. So the word of God, aside from the words it contains, the book itself is a revolutionary thing. I mean, this book has deposed so many tyrants throughout history. It's an amazing thing what happened when this book came along. But then the words in the book are amazing. The word of God, the very word of God, Jesus being the word of God is here in this text. In every piece we're told here in the scriptures, every single piece is inspired by God, is perfect, it's powerful to change your life. Let me tell you something about 
the Bible too. Because if you're a Christian, this is the roadmap. But if you're not a Christian, you could still take portions of this Bible and you could read it, you could apply it to your life and your life would be better. Let me give you a for instance. Like if you just go to the book of Proverbs, there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. If you read one chapter a day, that gives you a month of reading. You can repeat it over and over again. You say this, and this is wisdom literature. If you just say, I'm just gonna abide by the wisdom that's here in this particular book. Let me tell you what'll happen to you. You'll have more friends. You know how to treat people. You'll be more generous to people, less stingy, more kind. You know what? You'll make more money. You'll hold on to more money. I heard somebody say, all right. <laughs> Who was that? Let's go ahead and raise your hand. You're saying, Pastor, you're talking my language here. Because everybody can, oh, we came to church, they're talking about money. You don't like money? Give me the money, I'll take the money, it's okay. Anybody want to say, hey, I'd like to hold on to some more money? It, does it seem like the month is getting longer and the money's getting shorter? So, you know, you could go to the book of Proverbs and you could just learn, you could just learn about how to deal with practical things. It also tells the young people what kind of man to look for or what kind of woman to look for in a dating relationship. That's important, right? Be careful about this particular kind of woman because in this woman's house, there's death and destruction. Be real careful. Let me just say, that's just a sidebar. Young men, be careful. Be careful. Young women, be careful. Find somebody that loves Jesus, somebody that can carry on a conversation with you, and somebody that's a hot little number too, right? Like it, it, you, you, gotta, you gotta be attracted, right? You gotta be attracted. You gotta have a conversation. They gotta love Jesus. They need to be in the same ballpark. This is in the Bible. Look, I want you to get to heaven. I want you to get to heaven. But if you're not saved, you can at least go into this revolutionary book and you can get some power for your life, some principles for your life. Where do you think people like Grant Cardone and, and Dave Ramsey get their you know, financial advice from so many of those principles come straight from the Bible? Now, some of us have had a bad interaction with the Bible. And because some people use the Bible like a sledgehammer to beat you up and to destroy you. Have you ever been on the receiving end of something like that? No, have you ever been on the giving end of something like that? And the truth is, you're like, you've... <laughs> I think at Pathway Church, we're gonna preach that hell is hot and heaven is God's plan. And the reason that we do that is because I want you to make heaven your home, right? And so I, I don't think we shouldn't preach about hell. Jesus talked a lot about hell. But have you ever heard somebody preach about hell in such a way that it was almost like they wanted you to go there? Have you ever felt that before? So some people use the word of God to hurt and manipulate and to do great carnage. But as much as we'd like to sit here and say, hey, I've been on the receiving of that, some people also use the word to pick and choose the parts they want to believe in. We want all the good stuff. We don't want any of the disciplinary stuff, any of the instructional stuff, any of the correction stuff. But the Bible says a fool spurns correction. You know, one of the big things that's wrong in the world is we have a lot of child-directed parents in the world. 
that their kids are telling the parents what to do. The, parent, the kids hadn't been restrained at all, which is terrible for kids because they'll get into real life and having never been told no, they're gonna come face to face with what life is or we gotta deal with that kind of nonsense. And you know, the truth is some of us are grown and those are the kind of people, that's how we were raised. And so we're having to learn some hard lessons, you know? And so we brought that over into our spirituality so that we'll say, well, God, you said this, I don't like this. And we put ourselves in the place of judge that we can tell God what's right. So people will say, well, I don't think that it's right that God did this. And we can talk about that. We can have those discussions and those are good discussions But let me just make it really simple though. And this is where my heart is now resides. After working through my own arguments, which I'm called to do, the Bible says that you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So you have to navigate through these things. But, and I've done that and I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in God, I believe in his words. But there are still some challenging things that I see in the Bible. I said, well, why did God do that? Well, let me just tell you, let me tell something to myself. Because he's God and I am not. And I can trust God all the way. When I don't understand, God, why would you do that? Listen, he's God, he sees, he knows, and I can trust him. Okay. But unfortunately, what we've done is we've come along and we've picked and chosen from the Bible as if it is a buffet. You can't eat the Bible, consume the word. You can't read the word of God like it's a buffet where you pick only what you want. No, it's a full diet, highly nutritional in every part of the food pyramid here. You, you got to get every bit of it because if you pick and choose from the Bible, what you believe, you don't believe in the Bible. You don't believe in God. You believe in yourself. So we, we take the word of God and we do some different things with the word of God. It's either life for us. It's a sledgehammer for somebody else or it's some kind of motivational talk where we take the parts that we want and we get rid of the other parts. And let me just tell you really quickly, this is what Jesus faced. I want you to go with me to Mark chapter 12 and let's look at this interaction that Jesus has with the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees were like the woke bureaucrats of the day that were just walking around looking for somebody to cancel. Just walking around looking for somebody that said the wrong thing, did the wrong thing, just so that they could shut Jesus down. They wanted to shut Jesus down. Let me just tell you really quickly, you can't shut Jesus down. You can't shut him down. So you got these people, they wanted to cancel Jesus. You know the school marms I'm talking about? You know, the folks that just always, always will pick a little piece of lint off of your clothes and discredit your, your, your whole self because of one thing you did. By the way, that's all of us. All of us have been disqualified. Jesus was never disqualified. And they couldn't catch him. They couldn't get him wrong. Here we are, Mark chapter 12 and verse 28. One of the teachers of religious laws, law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, so he wades out in front of everybody, right? And they're watching, they're watching. And he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as your 
self. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of religious law replied, well said teacher, you have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifice required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, so the guy that was trying to catch him, listen to what Jesus said. He said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. He said, you're, you're almost saved. Jesus took the trap. He escaped the trap. And then he put his arm around this guy that was trying to freeze and isolate and punish Jesus. It's an, it's an awesome thing. Actually, it was an absolutely brilliant response. And then, of course, it says after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. They're like, the Pharisees went back. They're like, don't try and trap this guy. Oh, yeah, we remembered. When he was 12, he was in the temple teaching. We got to watch out for him, right? So he's like Bobby Fisher, this amazing chess player. And you just can't catch him. He said, there's power. There is power in the word of God. There is hope in the word of God. So the word is a place that we can go to find strength. But then the word of God, the word of God, go here. Let, let me just, let me, let me just tell you something. I'm, I'm so excited for what God is doing in our church. I am so happy for what he's doing in the church. What is happening in our young adults ministry, what's happening in our student ministry, I'm just blown away. Every Sunday, I look around and I see our students. I see our high schoolers that are sitting around with big old horse choker Bibles and they're taking notes. It's an awesome thing. I look, I look down here, ladies, I don't mean to point you out, but I don't even know how you could bear up under the weight of those big Bibles. It's just so awesome. And I'm, I'm so proud of what God's doing. And we're talking about football players and soccer players and Azalea trail maids and all kinds of really awesome, all kinds of really awesome things. People that are standing up and saying, you know what? There's hope for me in the word. And let me tell you what, if we will walk where there's hope, for us in the word, you know what will happen? Other people will watch us and they'll get in the word of God too. And, okay. But Jesus demonstrates the hope that's in the word of God by his life. And so this is the second thing I want you to know. Second place you can find hope is you can find hope hanging on the cross. There's hope in the word of God and hope hangs on the cross. Uh, Jump over with me today to Luke chapter 23 and verse 42. And here's where we are. Jesus is hanging on the cross on what we call Good Friday, hanging between two thieves. And as he's hanging there, this perfect man, one of the thief, thieves looks over at him and he's cursing him. He's crazy. If, you know, we watch the passion every year, our family does, just a reminder. I've gotten to where... When Jesus is being scourged, I just don't even want to watch it. I just want to skip past that part. It's so difficult to watch. Jesus, having endured all this pain for us, he's hanging there. An insult to injury is a real thief hanging there is cursing God. And then the other real thief says to the other thief, he says, why are you saying these things? 
This man is an innocent man. He's done no wrong. And then listen, listen to what he says to Jesus right here in verse 42. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Say that with me. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In verse 43, Jesus replies, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Let me tell you, there is hope hanging on the cross. This is a really exciting passage because remember what the Pharisees were doing? They were using the word of God. They, they, they removed hope. They, they said there's fear in the word of God. There's anxiety in the word of God. There's a trap in the word of God. They made it so stinking complicated. Have you noticed how complicated the church has made it? And when I say the church, I mean like the pop church or maybe the high church or there, you know the church. I mean, it's not a particular denomination or a particular style of building, but have you ever noticed you're like, I don't understand this. I don't know what to do. And Jesus says, I'm going to reduce all this complexity that you've introduced so that you can be the gatekeeper to keep my people out. God says, let me step in and make it real easy for you to come. In fact, at the cross, the veil that separated us from the holies of holies was torn in half. Jesus said, all access, come on in. But, okay, forget about the holy of holies and Forget about the Pharisees who made everything so difficult. Just look at what Jesus did. Jesus looked at the thief and he said, you will be with me in paradise. The thief says, I can't even wait for the altar call. Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus says, you're in. That's pretty awesome. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna unpack this idea a little bit more, but I just want you to think about what that must have been like. Because just a little bit later, just a little bit later, this thief steps in to the entrance to heaven. And they look at him and they say, uh, what, are you, what are you doing here? What, how, how, who told you, you, you're not dressed right. We know you, I saw you in that high-speed chase. I, I saw what you did. We all saw you. You were in Locked Up in Mobile on whatever that website is, right? We saw you. We saw everything. Everybody's been talking about you, and now you're here. Who said you could get in? And the thief said, I don't know, except that man right there said I could come in. He said I could come in. So it's pretty awesome. So think about this. He didn't go to growth track. He didn't even go to church on Easter. Look, I want you to go to Growth Track. You want, you want to learn more about Pathway Church? You sign up for Growth Track. You can do that. Do that. Don't skip that. But the thief didn't go. He didn't go to Easter service. He, he just went to the Good Friday service. <laughs> he, actually, he was the Good Friday service. <laughs> he didn't bring his tithe. He wasn't a member of the church. He didn't even know that fried chicken is the official bird of the church. <laughs> Man, I'm thinking about Easter lunch already. <laughs> he didn't do anything of that. You know, all he did is he believed on Jesus. See, this is what you need to understand. Man has made it so 
difficult to get to God. And Jesus has made things so possible so that man can get to God. I'm really glad for that. I'm really, because if you know me, if you know me and if I know you, then we all needed something a little bit easier to get to God because we have made it so difficult. In fact, some of us have done so much that not only drove us away from God, but it also drove us away from our friends and our family. And there's some things that we wish we could say and do over again. Is there anybody, as you think about your life, you're going, I wish I could have a mulligan on that. I wish I could do that again. I wish I would have made that decision a little bit differently. I mean, if that's you, just go ahead and raise your hand. I think it would be encouraging to know that you're surrounded by people that need a second chance. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the God of the second chance. He's all we need. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. There's hope in the word of God and hope hangs on the cross. That's the message for Good Friday. The message for this Easter Sunday morning is that hope rises from the grave. Hope rises from the grave. And I, I cannot imagine what it would have been like on that day because the disciples were dejected. The people who had followed Jesus were dejected. They were despondent. They were downcast. And they had given three years of their life and all of their reputation and had left their businesses and their work and their careers in order to follow Jesus. And then when they do that, their king, their Messiah, their Lord, their God, their friend is dead. And they didn't understand what he was saying when he said that I will tear down this temple in three days, I'll build it back. They didn't understand what he was saying. They didn't understand when they were having that last supper and he reached into the bread basket with Judas and he said that Judas was gonna betray him. They didn't understand it because when Judas came to betray, then Malchus pulled out, or Peter pulled out his sword and cut off Malchus' ear. Didn't understand it because if Peter had known what it meant for Jesus to be crucified, as much as he wouldn't want Jesus to be crucified, he would have been grateful that Jesus was laying down his life. But Jesus did say, he said, you can't take my life from me. I lay it down. Get off me, sucker. You know, back off. Get back, Jack. You know, you better watch yourself. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Jesus is saying, come on, step back because I got a job to do. He started saying it when he was 12. He started, I must be about my father's business. Don't stop me from doing what God did. And you know what? As you go through your things, aren't you glad that nobody stopped Jesus from saving you? The grave couldn't hold Jesus down. But let me tell you, when Jesus rose, then hope rose with it. Hope for you and hope for me. Hope for the young and the old and the rich and the poor and the citizen and the immigrant and, and the white and the black and the brown and the yellow and every single color. There is hope in Christ Jesus because Jesus got on the cross and when his body was laid down, he was resurrected. Hope for us. Man, that's good, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah, I mean, thank you, Pastor, for, for sharing that, that Jesus came up 
that Jesus rose up. But I want to tell you that because Jesus rose, we can rise with him. And just like Jesus was transformed, we will be transformed. And just as Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, death, hell, and the grave doesn't have a hold on us any longer. And it's not only just a spiritual transaction that happens that makes us free and clean on the inside, but it changes everything about our life. Let me tell you, when Jesus got out of that grave, your addiction got out of that grave, your self-worth got out of that grave, your anxiety got out of the grave, that oppression, that depression got out of the grave, what they told you, who you were, who you thought you were. Listen, all of that stuff got out of the grave and we are free in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Man, I just had to tell you, I just had to tell you, it's not just another Easter, but this is a day that we are free, that we get free. Those chains that bound us up, those sins that so easily beset us, they don't have control over us any longer. If, if, like the thief on the cross, we would say, remember me, remember me, Lord, amen. All, at all of our campuses, I want you to stand with me. And as you do, put your hands together and let's thank God for his good, strong truth and his word that never changes. I want you to go with me to the book of Malachi. And I just want to share this last passage with you. And please, no one moving around. If, if you can, please just hang with I mean, nobody is. I'm just kind of saying it preemptively because I know when you stand, all the people that need to go to the bathroom, they're like, I can get out. <laughs> just hang with me for a second. Listen to this, Malachi chapter four and verse two. Verse one and verse two. The Lord of heaven's armies says, the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches and all. So listen, let me just tell you, the diet Christianity that has been being pushed is not true, is not true. There is a heaven, there is a hell. In the culture and in the church right now, we have two lives that are bad. I preached about it last week. In the culture, you have a salvationless repentance where you go on apologizing for everything you've done and there, there's no relief. And the church is giving a repentanceless salvation that all dogs go to heaven, that everything is good. Everything's not good. Everything's not okay. Actually, outside of Christ, the Bible says we are enemies with God. And so there is a day of judgment that's coming. And on that day, the arrogant and the wicked, the one thief who represents everyone who said, I am my own God, I'll do things my way. No one's gonna tell me what to do. All of those, they will have a judgment day. But verse two, thank God for verse two. Somebody say, thank God for verse two, right? But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and we will be free. And then listen to this last part of verse two, because it's not just about saving salvation, but it's about we can have wholeness and healing and we can have joy again. We don't have to be burdened down in anxiety and. Bible actually says after this, you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. Hey, I like that picture. No, nothing's holding me back. I used to be heavy and I'm light now. I used to be bound and I'm free now. 
And that's God's plan for you today. That's God's plan for you today, today. This week, you know, we, we have 12 services this weekend. I think right now we're at like service seven, eight, nine, maybe 10, you know, something like that, right? And in all the services, there have been people that have said, I want to be free. I want to be saved. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit is moving you and touching you. It's not me. It's not this church. We can't do that. It's the Holy Spirit of God is moving on your heart. And, and some of you are just waiting for me to say, to look over like Jesus did from the cross, look over. And you're just waiting to look back and say, remember me today, Lord. So I just want to ask. I just want to ask. I just want to ask. Today, you walked into this place and you heard the truth of God specifically for you about your situation. And you're saying, I want to be counted with Jesus. I would rather have Jesus than anything. I want him to save me. I want him to heal me. I want him to forgive me. I, I, when, I, when I cross from this life to the next, I want to step into the presence of God. But really, I don't even want to wait until I leave. I want to walk out of this place knowing that I'm walking out in relationship with God. If that's you, I'm not asking you to bow, bow your heads. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you that you would just go, man, you are talking to me. Listen, before I ask you this, I also want to remind you of what Jesus also said. Jesus also said, if you're ashamed of me in front of man, I will be ashamed of you in front of my father. And so here's how I want you to answer. It's not just about answering right, but I'm, there's a certain way, a certain posture that you say, I'm tired of caring about what people think about me. I wanna get busy caring about what God thinks about me. And you know what? I'm not worried about, look, I have watched people this week walk down to this altar, people that have been in the church a long time. And they're saying, you know what? I'm not right with the Lord. And God has his eye on you and he's loving you and he's waiting just for you to reach out. Listen, when you raise your hand, when you reach your hand up, God is gonna reach his hand down to you. He's gonna cut through all the clutter, all the lies that you've heard about yourself, all the lies that you've spoken over yourself, and he's gonna cut through all of that today. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand, not like this. You know, you're trying to worship the Lord, but you're afraid of what the people behind you think, and so you're like raising your hand like this. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, when I say raise my hand, I want you to do like this. been a long time coming. God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm giving it all to you. I don't care. I don't care. I'm be like these young people that are walking into the church with these big old Bibles. They don't care. Walking into the school with the Bibles and they're just serving notice on the enemy. Listen, I'm walking with Jesus. I'm walking with Jesus. If that's you, if that's you, are you ready? On the count of three, if you want to place your trust in Jesus, you want to repent of your sin and you want to be made right with Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. Are you ready? One, two, three. I see, I see that. 
Now all of our other campuses, the campus pastors are now talking to the campus and it's just me and Moffat campus here. Now I'm not talking about people here that are saying, I wanna, I, I wanna just tune up my relationship with the Lord, but you're saying, listen, pastor, before I raise my hand, there is, I was not walking with Jesus. I was not walking with Jesus, but I'm walking with Jesus. I'm telling, I'm telling the Lord right now, if that's you right now, step out from where you are, come and join me right now. Go ahead, come on, step out and come and join me right now. As they come, we got people coming, as they come, come on, let's just bless God for that. And come and join me right here in the middle. Just come on, come on over, come on over, come on over. Come, come on over, come on over. What an awesome day. What an awesome day. You're out there in the balcony. Listen, if you're saying, Pastor, I love Jesus, but you know what? I, I'm rededicating my life. I'm rededicating my life. You raised your hand and that was you. You go ahead and step out and come down here right now. As they come, come on, put your hands together and let's, let's bless God for that. Amen. Amen. There's so much potential right here. First of all, what we have is we have friends who are now sons and daughters and brothers and sisters. Lord, we come and we say, thank you. Thank you for your hand. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your son. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for changing us, for inviting us, for giving us a place at your table. Lord, we honor you. We love you for that. We acknowledge you. We bless you. Thank you for all that you endured for us. You didn't have to, but you did. And we say thank you. Now, would you meet all of our needs? Would you minister to all of our needs? We thank you. We thank you. If you say, Pastor, I love Jesus, but I'm, I don't feel close to him, and I want to just draw right in. I, I want a renewal, a revival in my life. That, that's you. Just lift up your hand right where you are. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you just bring us all close. Lord, I pray that you would give us the simplicity of relationship that you offered to the thief on the cross. I pray that we would know you. And Father, I pray it would be real. It wouldn't just be a function or a form that we go through. But Father, we would have a real redemption and an incredible closeness to you. Father, your presence, your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that today. Now we're gonna pray a prayer of confession with everybody that's in the altar today. God's forgiving and he's transforming today. And the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's like declaring spiritual bankruptcy. It all goes away. It just all goes away. Somebody shows up to collect that bill. Somebody shows up. You say, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it. I don't even have to answer for that anymore. Trusting God in that. And so we confess our sins to the Lord and we confess that Jesus is Lord and we declare that we're going to follow him and we're saved. All over this church, we're going to pray this prayer. Please repeat after me. But if the whole church would lift up this prayer today, let's take it to the Lord right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus that he would lay down his life for me and that he would take up his life for me unconstrained by the grave. 
through his crucifixion and his burial and through his resurrection, I have salvation offered to me. It's a free gift and I receive it. In exchange, God, I give you my life. Do with me what you will. Forgive me, heal me, transform me, and make me yours. Help me to follow you every day of my life. Lead me in your wisdom and help me to reflect your grace. In Jesus' name, I declare that I am saved. I am free. I am whole. I am forgiven. And I belong to God. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us give. We'll see you next week.